0: Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Well, in the previous program, I mentioned, among other things, about a couple shark attacks. One that was fatal, and one that was grievous, but in which... The boy that was attacked is expected to make a full recovery. What full recovery will look like, I don't know, since he will have a shark tattoo encasing his body for the rest of his life, courtesy of a great white shark. But there's blood in the water, as there was in that case 10 feet of blood Uh, One fellow said the one who was in the kayak on which this boy was able to pull himself up onto it, and the kayaker took him to shore. There's blood in the water today because of the report from the old gray lady from New York Times regarding the Donald, the tweeter-in-chief, and also concerning his Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. And I'll get to those matters towards the end of this program, if I can, and if not, in the next program. But before those things, perhaps you saw or heard something about a massive theft of more than 400 firearms from a UPS facility in Tennessee, And a couple things about this. One, there was video of two individuals that were responsible for this. Maybe there were others, but certainly these two. And that has been circulated far and wide in order to try to apprehend these individuals. And needless to say, if they were employees of UPS, or former employees at that facility, with this video footage, they would have been able to immediately identify them. But not so. So then the question is, how is it that these two fellows waltz in there, figuratively speaking, And make off with this massive cache of valuable new firearms. How is that possible? And using a U-Haul truck to transport, to put everything into a U-Haul truck at the UPS regional facility there. How is that possible? Needless to say, but I will say it, UPS is grossly to blame here, grossly at fault, grossly liable, grossly as in the German meaning greatly, horribly, criminally responsible, as far as I'm concerned, to be an unwitting accomplice, accessory to arming an army of thugs and gangsters. Outstanding work, UPS. And am I to believe that these two thugs are smarter, more capable than the people running this facility? It would seem so. (laughs) I'm just astonished and horrified. But anyway, it is expected that these could crop up anywhere across the nation and be used in violent crimes. Again, well done, UPS. I've spoken previously regarding the Iranian so-called Republican Guard. Do you remember, or Republic Guard? Which is it? Anyway, in Iraq, it was the Republican Guard. And so I was thinking that this was, too. This is the Revolutionary Guard of the Islamic Revolution, And it is, again, either referred to as Republic or Republican. No, not having anything to do with the Republican Party here in the United States of America. But they suffered loss of face in an attack on one of their military parades. And it was conducted seemingly by other Islamists who have roots going back to Saudi Arabia. And those three that carried it out, resulting in the deaths of 20-something people, high-ranking members of this Iranian guard, but they were killed. Those three were killed. And now Iran is retaliating. So what are they doing? They already made the threats here in the past few days, but now they've gone and they have launched, as of the first, they had launched a half dozen ballistic missiles into eastern Syria. And it was stated that These missiles have enough range to strike regional United States of America military bases and troops. And also to reach inside of Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates, neighbor to Saudi Arabia. Both nations of which Iran blames in part for these attacks. But, of course, it also heavily blames the United States of America and Israel for these attacks, for instigating them. This is just a foretaste of things to come. Again, they have threatened much more, and rest assured, there will be more. It's just a situation that is extremely dangerous and it is simmering and it is just about to boil over there in the Middle East. But no fear, (laughs) Iran's wonderful, benevolent, beneficent supporter, In Russia, Vladimir Putin, the bear of Russia, Vladimir Putin has now scathingly denounced Sergei Skripal. But he has in the past. This is not something new, it's just the latest iteration of it, in which he describes him as a traitor. And a scumbag. Harsh words from president, soon to be president for life, really has been de facto president for life since he became president. A mere three months or so after being named second in command there in Russia to Boris Yeltsin. But dear Vladimir... He was the one who gave the orders for Sergei Skripal to be assassinated in England. And he was attacked, as was his daughter who was visiting him from St. Petersburg, Russia. And they were attacked with radioactive material, a nerve agent called Novichok, which, too, Russian military intelligence agents took with them on their trip to take out this former Russian spy who went to work for Britain. But Vladimir Putin, as I mentioned, good buddies with President for Life. Xi Jinping of Communist China. It doesn't matter in reality whether they like each other, are fond of each other, or anything else. Communist China, the Communist Chinese regime and Russian Federation, the lightest version of the Soviet Union, they have commonality. They have common objectives, common hatred for the United States of America, common lust for world enslavement, for conquest, and they are both very powerful nations. Yes, Russia has been written off time and again as being on the ash heap as Ronald Reagan said, being relegated to the ash heap of history. That's no longer on the ash heap. And there are people, there are leaders, whether they are of high rank, high position, or very modest, who have various different objectives, Leaders and (laughs) non-leaders. People who have objectives in this life to live the best life they can, to make a better life for their children than they have had themselves. These are common desires among good, decent, honorable, moral, noble people. Other people have other kinds of objectives, such as to see how many people they can destroy, literally destroy, slaughter, torture, murder, that sort of thing. Others have objectives of world domination, world hegemony. But while some of these who have such grandiose desires and designs in life have a longer-term view of things. That is, if they can advance their objective during their lifetime without having realized it themselves that they are so committed to the cause that they will be satisfied with that. If they can move the ball down the field, matriculate the ball down the field, as Hank Stram, former Hall of Fame coach of the Kansas City Chiefs National Football League team, would say, if they can do that, then they will be somewhat satisfied with that, or very satisfied. In this case, if they can weaken the United States of America and the Western nations, if they can make it that much more likely that the objective will ultimately be accomplished, that the free world will no longer be free, but will fall, they can be satisfied with that. There are others for whom the objective must be realized during their lifetime. I happen to believe Vladimir Putin is one of those. Adolf Hitler didn't care one way or another about what happened to Germany once he was gone. He didn't even care what happened to Germany while he was alive once his grand objective had been quashed. Germany, who needs Germany? And he blamed it on the German people who poured out their blood for him, who (laughs) gave the last measure of their devotion, willingly and unwillingly. And after he made his escape to South America, which he had been planning and spending a fortune on for more than two years, as depicted in Hunting Hitler, which was on the History Channel. He continued with his objective of wanting to strike back vindictively at the United States of America, even if he would fall short of his lofty objectives, his satanic objectives. Well, I just happen to believe that Vladimir Putin is going to be utterly dissatisfied if, <laughs> if he merely succeeds in being president for life and seeing Russia be more respected and feared and what have you around the world. But communist China takes a very long view. And even though Xi Jinping is president for life, he is an employee of the communist regime. That's just the way it works. He's head man, and he is officially president for life until somebody takes it from him. (laughs) And those things do happen. But what is all important is the matter of the accomplishment of the objectives of the communist regime, the communist state, which is different from the case in North Korea. With North Korea, it all begins and ends with the Kim family regime. The Communist Party just serves the Kims. It's different from that. It is traditional communism in Communist China with a little capitalist flair. But Russia and China, they are allies now as they were allies during the Vietnam War, as they were allies during the Korean War, and as they will be allies until they either obtain the result that they so lust after or are utterly prevented from succeeding. And on that note, let me just mention that in the South China Sea, where trouble is brewing ever so greatly. There's a chicken game being carried out by communist China trying to provoke the United States of America. And I think it is possible because of the build-up, because of the strengthening of the communist Chinese military in terms of armaments and technology and other things, pertaining to that, such as their computer technology and and radar systems and what have you, I think it is possible that some of their individual officers, high-ranking officers, may be getting a little bit ahead of the Communist Chinese program And maybe acting a little bit on a uh, loose cannon uh, order of things. There was a Chinese vessel, a destroyer, guided missile destroyer, that really was pursuing and provoking a U.S. Burke-class destroyer, USS Decatur. And it was, again, extremely provocative. But these things, these provocations have been going on now for years. They just keep being ratcheted up a notch at a time or two notches at a time. And Communist China, by dint of stealing all, absolutely all, of the most cutting-edge technological plans, blueprints, designs of new military aircraft, ships, submarines, weapons systems of every kind from the United States of America have then tweaked them and modified them and mass-produced them, and they have not had to spend the money on research and development. We do that for them. So if you look at the budget, the, the great geniuses out there, they, they will measure the budget of the American military versus the budget of the communist Chinese military and versus the budget of Russian military. And they will say, Oh, well, the United States of America is spending so vastly much more than them. Well, (laughs) that's meaningless. That is apples and oranges to put it mildly. They don't pay their help. What we pay ours. Okay. And I have a feeling they don't allow for budget overruns either. I just, just a sneaking suspicion I have, and they don 't pay for research and development; they let the free world do that for them. I'm sure they are also stealing plans and so forth from Britain and France and Germany and Italy and what have you but And Israel they would seek to, but I just don't think they're succeeding, but certainly, United States of america, we are the go to for them. <laughs> We take care of all their R&D for them. But their guided missile systems are extremely, extremely highly developed now and very deadly and capable, according to our admiral in charge of our force in the South China Sea, They are capable of knocking out our Navy before it can come close enough to communist China to take the battle to them. It can be destroyed before it gets there, courtesy of guided missiles. Guided missiles launched from mainland, launched from their submarine fleet, launched from their aircraft. But it is just something that we can look forward to in coming days. Certainly, akin to World War II, we have all of these great public servants who will state that there is no danger. (laughs) After all, we spend so much more than everybody else. No danger. Our military is too big. It needs to be downsized some more, and so on and so forth. But... In one respect, I would agree with them, in one respect only, and that is this. And it's (laughs) in only one aspect of that one respect is that even if our military was 10 times as strong as it is, even if it were, even if we were the sole world superpower, and not just claiming to be, but actually the sole world superpower, that would by no means ensure safety for the United States of America, nor the free world that depends on the United States of America. It would not. And why is that? <laughs> it's a little matter of historical perspective from the Bible of all places. And that is, every soul, world, superpower that has preceded us has fallen. Has been violently overthrown. Violently overthrown after they have decayed, deteriorated, become decadent. And... Not only has this nation become decadent, but the military is a microcosm of that, and it is decadent. As I've mentioned before, and this goes back decades now, our military has spent fortunes on training our military chaplains not to evangelize Satanists in the military. Instead of the military kicking Satanists out of the military, which, of course, we couldn't do, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? I mean, we can't go discriminate against Satanists, Satan worshipers, can we? Wouldn't that be wrong? Anyway, can't do that. So they spent fortunes training military chaplains not to evangelize them but just to minister to them where they are as they are and not to offend them and not to confront their anti-God, anti-Christ beliefs and so forth. That's just one tiny example. Then there is the presence of Islam in our military. Then there is the great neuterization, feminization of our military. And the women's ranks of which have swelled and which have been promoted greatly and promoted without combat and because it just would be wrong not to promote them because after all, they need to be proportionally represented all the way up the ranks, right? That makes sense, doesn't it? Because after all, military service is just like any other walk of life, right? Any other career should be absolutely no difference whatsoever. It's not a case of it having a mission that is specific and different from everything else and requires there to be a distinction. No, no, no. No, Uh, we need to have as many women in the military as possible. Absolutely. Mothers with many children. I had a friend years ago, and his wife was a computer technician in the military. They met while they were both in the military. And she was a terrific gal and homeschooled her children and had eight children as far as I believe. I'm probably wrong. Maybe it was only six. I think it was eight. But I was concerned for her, and I told her, get out now. This is before the first Gulf War. (laughs) You don't want to be deployed, okay? This is not going to go well for you. Well, anyway, she worked at the Pentagon, and she didn't get out. But fortunately, she was not deployed. She was able to stay stateside. But then we also have the single mothers, We have the mothers who are deployed and daddy daycare. Daddy stays home with the children. And we have all kinds of advertisements that play to this. You know, it's so patriotic. And the mother comes home and meets the children, and daddy's there at the door wearing his apron or whatever. And it's just so wise and wonderful and an example of how advanced this nation is. And yes, advanced towards the pit of hell, but... Then there are the single mothers. They leave the children home here, and they go overseas. I can understand motivation with regard to being able to make good money and receive free college education and postgraduate education and rapid advancement, especially because they're women, and all of that. But... It's following the lead of the communists. It's pagan. It's heathen. And more than 10% of the women in the military at any given point in time are pregnant, not to mention those that are menstruating and so on and so forth. It's just wonderful for military preparedness. Military standards have been reduced in order to cater that's not to say that some women aren't superwomen and you know, able to run rings around many men physically. But now, of course, and this has been going on for a long time, the great push to promote acceptance and promotion of sodomites in the military. And, of course, the latest version of that is promoting these third-sex individuals. (laughs) maimed men uh, pretending to be women. Outstanding. And this is going to please God. This is going to honor God and please God and God will bless us. Just say, God bless America enough times and he Well, will just ignore all of these evils, this wickedness, and all of the induced abortion (laughs) throughout the military ranks for pregnant women in the military and so forth. God is fine with it. Absolutely, he will bless us. Even though he himself, in his word, went to war against his chosen people of Israel. (laughs) And then the divided kingdom kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah and Benjamin and he went to war against them and he sided with the heathen pagan regimes against them could never happen here it could never happen here because we're the apple of his eye of course they claimed to be the apple of his eye too but before I go further let me just mention I am Brad Thomas this is after all is said and done and whatever is right and true And good about this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever's wrong, lacking, erring is due to me. So, with regard to our military, did you happen to see this? That ricin has been detected in mail sent to the Pentagon. Shocker there. How could that happen? Well, does that have to come from outside of the United States, from... Russia, or from Russian spies within the United States of America? Heavens no. From communist China or from that army of communist Chinese spies within the United States of America that years and years and years ago was numbered at more than 200,000? No, absolutely not. Uh, This could be Islamist. This could be, uh, you know, the weather underground types or all manner of possibilities. But anyway, this ricin is what was used in Japan by this one evil satanic cult. And the Japanese government finally got around to executing the leader of that gang and um, many of his top followers. And they were responsible for poisoning to death a great many people. And the Tokyo subway system but years ago you've probably heard and seen the appeals for money for funds to be donated for the people in Indonesia and Indonesia has suffered another disaster courtesy of massive earthquake and tsunami On Indonesia's Sulawesi Island or Sulawesi Island or something like that. Well, Indonesia, apart from being overwhelmingly Muslim, it is an archipelago of 260 million people. So less people than here in the United States, but a very large population which is stretched out over this great many islands, the only reason the death count isn't much worse than it is is because it was isolated as far as where it hit. But Indonesia, it's within the ring of fire. No, not Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. The Ring of Fire, what is referred to as that, which is this (laughs) great number of volcanoes and fault lines in the Pacific Basin of the Pacific Ocean, and which stretches from New Zealand all the way up to... Alaska, and then down the west coast of Canada and the United States of America and Baja, California, Mexico, Mexico, and Central America, and all the way down to the tip of South America. It is just an enormous area. And every time I see mention of the big one, the big one, one earthquake, you know, that Is overdue and is going to strike somewhere in California and so forth. I can't help but think it's not. Again, it's not going to be one. One massive earthquake can set off another and another and another and it can spiral into just this massive destruction. Perhaps you've seen the movie San Andreas. (laughs) which is something else, and it's worst-case scenario, and it's a bit over the top, I think. But a bit over the top if it's just, if it were to be limited to the state of California (laughs) and state of California and Nevada, which is where they have uh, these earthquakes taking place there. and over the top with regard to the characters in the movie. But in terms of the amount of devastation that is possible, it's understated. And Indonesia is not sitting in a good place, to put it mildly, in terms of this location on the Ring of Fire. But in this last... uh, Report I saw with regard to the expectation of the coming great one there in California, they were saying, you know, there is no danger of tsunami. And I mean, that's what I heard when I lived there. And yet, ironically, right outside my door, there's a sign that says tsunami evacuation route. Oh, but there is no danger from tsunamis. No, because there will be an alarm sounded (laughs) at a nearby naval base. (laughs) That's great. So then what do you do? Well, let's see. Let's take a tsunami that, you know, uh the waves, the crest, it's it's only moving at five hundred miles per hour. No problem. You're in a heavily populated area. Forget the forget the speed limit. So what if the speed limit's fifty miles per hour <laughs> instead of twenty five? Yeah. Uh so what? Are you going to have you know uh An hour to get out of the way of of this? Are you going to be able to go at full speed? Or is there going to be mass congestion, traffic congestion, and enormous casualties? Enormous. Not 1,400. And they will have a much higher death count before it's over with. Much higher. Rest assured. Or (laughs) rest assured isn't the right way to put it. Uh, That's much too genteel. But, sure as shooting there will be a much worse, much higher death count after all has been found, <laughs> but the numbers that there could be, even in a limited portion of Southern California, let alone all of California, all of the coast of California, all of the coast of Oregon of Washington, of British Columbia, and so on, on up in Alaska and over to Russia and so forth, and all the way down Baja, Mexico, and Central America, South America, and throughout Asia, could be an absolutely extraordinarily monstrous thing. And it could happen. And it could be more devastating than individual warfare. And, of course, could result in nuclear meltdown of facilities, of reactors, and so forth, as happened in Fukushima, Japan, here some years ago. Perhaps you're aware of this. The Texas State Board of Education has decided, has voted, to eliminate several historical figures from the state's social studies curriculum. Among them, none other than Hillary Rodham Clinton, oh my, oh no, and Helen Keller, to mention a couple. Well, I'm sure that did not go down too well with Hillary. But you know, the thing is, if they were going to talk about the evils perpetrated by Hillary Rodham Clinton and her hubby, Bubba, while they were in charge of the state, the great state of Arkansas, let alone of the United States of America, I'd say, hey, then it's too bad that you're eliminating that. But just to eliminate some grandiose uh, aggrandizement of them, of her and him and so forth is another matter. Helen Keller, certainly a worthy individual, to be mentioned, to at least make mention of her and give them some idea of the accomplishments, the miraculous, unbelievable accomplishments of this person and a heroic figure and one that is, for many people, inspirational. I think that's really an oversight, and and, (laughs) they should rethink that. We have congressional... Elections coming up, don't we? Exciting stuff, and you you get done with all of the political ads, whether it's via media, television, radio, internet, or whether it happens to be all the mail, all the mass mailing, <laughs> and then the yard signs, and then the door-to-door visits, and everything else. But The Democrats, of course, are expecting to clean up big time, courtesy of our president. Uh, But interestingly enough, down in Florida, in southernmost Florida, South Miami. So that's not, I guess you could say that's not southernmost Florida because that would be the Florida Keys, right? (laughs) Right. But as far as I'm concerned, it's southernmost. It's southernmost mainland, Florida. Uh, There was a Democrat primary, and they had nine candidates. They were all just chomping at the bits. We are just going to absolutely take this. It doesn't matter what the Republicans do. We win. Because the incumbent Republican Congresswoman announced her retirement. And so they were all jumping in. The Democrats knew, with things being the way they are out there, that they would be able to win. It was just a matter, just a formality, the general election, but they had to win the primary. So, with eight candidates in the field... Who should step up, a pretender or a great heroic figure? Yes, one of Hillary Rodham's buddettes, Donna Shalala. Yes, wicked Donna. The wicked witch of the East, in this case. Who refers to herself. Refers to herself as Hurricane Donna. <laughs> anyway... She threw her tiara in the ring and and was certain she had it made in the shade. But what happened was a woman came out of nowhere who just happens to be a longtime resident, I believe lifelong resident, Maria Elvira Salazar. What kind of credentials does she have compared to the University of Miami's president, former president, and who was so, so important in the Clinton-Rodham evil administration? Well, Miss Salazar, she's a former broadcast journalist, So what's that? Well, it just so happens she worked for Telemundo, for a local station, Mega TV, and CNN en Española. And she is 56 years of age and beautiful. In stark contrast to Donna Shalala, who is a wee bit older than that and was never beautiful on the outside or inside, (laughs) who is 21 years older at 77. But anyway, surprise, surprise, Donna Shalala has been trying to paint Miss Salazar into a corner, (laughs) trying to, you know, make her out to be this, that, and the other. But... Anyway, it looks like maybe just maybe that Miss Salazar who is Cuban, Cuban-American that she may manage to prevail, which would be just an unimaginably great underdog victory and would be would bode very very well for Florida as compared to having to suffer under Donna Shalala and the United States of America having to suffer under dear Donna. Meanwhile, over in Istanbul, Istanbul, I just happened to watch a version, which I didn't care for, but of uh, Agatha Christie's uh, Murder on the Orient Express the other night. Well, here this is straight from Istanbul, Turkey. And uh, just so happens that a prominent journalist, Jamal Kashhogi, or something like that, who happens to write op-eds for the Washington Post, he made the fateful error of entering the Saudi Arabian consulate on Tuesday. And he has not been heard from since. And his fiance has been anxiously waiting for word from him. Now, why he left his cell phone with her. I can't comprehend that, especially since he has been somewhat critical and I emphasize, somewhat critical, of the Saudi royal family. So, it certainly appears that we may not be hearing anything more from him, and that would be monstrous, tragic, to say the least. But, These regimes, like this wonderful Saudi Arabian regime that is, of course, most favored nation, Saudi Arabia, which executes missionaries, Christian missionaries, if they're from the Philippines or from South Korea, places like that, Costa Rica, but does not execute, does not behead the missionaries from the united states of america or britain it just deports them puts them in prison for a while then deports them so it manages not to rile these free nations these great free nations up too much to cause them to actually (laughs) you know separate themselves from dear old saudi arabia but uh, i fear the worst here for for this man and hope that, hope that he will be released and not destroyed. But meanwhile, Brett Kavanaugh, Supreme Court of the United States of America nominee, the second nominee by President Trump. As far as I know, I've only mentioned him one time. And I may have, in passing, said something, made reference to him, one sentence, someplace or other, but I'm not aware of it. The only time I'm aware of having spoken regarding him is when Susan Collins of Maine, leftist, progressive Republican senator, junior senator from the great state of Maine, when she gave her take on her powwow with Brett Kavanaugh from the evening before. And she said that he said, in response to her questioning, that Roe v. Wade, meaning Roe v. Wade Doe v. Bolton, was settled law. And therefore, you know, was unassailable that, that he would not be doing anything to rock the boat, to undermine that great precedent no and she went on to say that she's just you know such a great believer in precedent legal precedent as long as it's precedent that she likes you know all of the precedent for hundreds of years before Roe v. Wade Dovey Bolton throw that out that precedent stinks I want my precedent induced abortion all right so but anyway As I mentioned regarding Brett Kavanaugh, just looking at what I could see of him and heard from his mouth, I said the following, that whatever all else comes out about him, and I said that it it was debatable whether he would in fact be confirmed, and that was way back when. But regardless what else happens to come out, and there is this massive push to stop him, there was then, that it was clear to me he was not good enough, let alone great enough. Wasn't deserving to be in that position. He would not make the impact that needed to be made. He was a representative of the stupid party, the Republicans, not the evil party, the Democrats, but a corporatist. And everything about him spoke of weakness, not referring to his intellect, but with reference to moral courage. (laughs) Well, I stand by what I said at that time. And I might say, regardless what your beliefs concerning how terrible this onslaught against him is. Look at what came out of his mouth and from his hand back when he was a young, young man. And ask yourself, is this the best and brightest? Is really, you know, yes. (laughs) We may grow and mature and Learn and all of this in our lives, and we may make missteps and mistakes and so forth, but is he among the best and the brightest that we have to offer? Is he really? (laughs) Now a few words about our chief swindler, Donald Trump, the co-author of Trump's bestseller, Art of the Deal, Tony Schwartz, he stated that, going back a couple years ago now, that he, at that time, believed that tax fraud and money laundering would ultimately loom as a bigger problem for our president than any potential collusion with the Russian Federation's Vladimir Putin and his regime, but I have <laughs> tried to be moderate in my uh, criticisms of the president. And but what I have said time and time and time again is he is no Ronald Reagan, <laughs> devoid of the character of Ronald Reagan and of godly wisdom and so on and so forth, and humility and righteousness and honor and what have you. But once he became the nominee, it was he or Hillary. And therefore, it was incumbent upon us to vote for him. Schwartz said, Fred Trump, that's Donald's father, was in the business of making money. And Donald Trump was in the business of losing money. And he lost money of his father's throughout his career. Amazing statements. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.